book of Philemon. I was just listening to my Bible, so that was that. That's what that was. Sorry. <laughs> um, pray for uh, pray for Pastor. I don't think he's going to be here tonight. He's just getting everything settled away with his mom. She's up here, and they had some complications with her medication and everything. So that'll be an ongoing, you know, prayer request and everything. So um, just keep him and Miss Beth uh, in prayer. He called me at right around. 6.30, 6.35, and they, they hadn't even really left the, uh, the uh, facility yet, so they had been there all day. Um, so again, just keep them in prayer tonight. Also, uh, by way of camp, I do want to apologize for not being here on Sunday. Um, wasn't feeling the greatest, and uh, hopefully on the upward swing now. But um, as far as the transportation to and, and from camp, looks like we have... Um, about 20 people uh, that are uh, that are slotted to take the uh, the buses up. So Noah is going to be driving one bus with the trailer for um, for luggage, and then Amy's going to be driving the uh, the white van uh, with the girls with Amy and the guys with Noah. <coughs> and then uh, those of us that are going up, obviously, on Sunday, um, we're waiting to hear back on a couple different uh, things as far as getting the freezers up, but. Those of you that it pertains to will let you know uh, what's going on when that time comes, uh, which is relatively soon if you didn't know. <laughs> so, no, I'm waiting on a phone call back for, for a rental, um, possibly getting a lift gate rental on a box truck to get those freezers up there, but I'm not 100% sure if that's going to be the most cost-effective way to do it, so I'm waiting to hear back from another company. Um, but that's kind of what's, what's going on there. Um, if you have any more questions about it, you can get, me with, get with me after service tonight. But we'd like to get in the message tonight. So Philemon, Philemon chapter, obviously number one. And uh, there's only one there, so if you miss it, I'm sorry. Uh, that is uh, right before Hebrews. If you're, if you're confused, the book of Philemon will start in verse number one. The Bible says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved uh, uh, Appia and uh, uh, Archippus, the fellow soldier, to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord and uh, the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing uh, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and uh, consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We want to thank you for all that have come out on a Wednesday night. Undoubtedly, Father, it's to hear from you. So I pray, Father, tonight that you give us something from your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray as we open up the word of God that the spirit of God would have free course and you give us the understanding of your book, Lord. We thank you for it. Give us the light and the direction that we need here tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you bless. Uh, in, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A great, a great uh, portion of Scripture, um, one that is a little bit different than a lot of uh, Paul's other writings, because a lot of Paul's other writings, uh, you'll find that a lot of it is very doctrinal in, in nature as far as when he's writing. And um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a letter, a personal letter written by Paul to a man by the name of Philemon. Now, Philemon is a pretty well-off guy. He's, he's got servants, and, uh, and he's got people working for him, and he's got a church in his house. And there's, there's, there's some things here, uh, before we get into the meat of the message, there's some things here that are really great and, and great practical things. And although the doctrinal things may not be that deep in here, the practical riches of this, of this uh, short little book is, is, is pretty wild. 
And you see Philemon's ministry is described in verses 1 through 3. Uh, Philemon is called a fellow laborer, so he's not lazy when it comes to the ministry. And you see in verse number 2 that he says our, uh, that he's got two guys in there in his church, and they're called fellow soldiers. So he's got a, he's got a church in his house. And if you know anything about uh, the qualifications of a bishop, you know that they must be given to hospitality. And uh, how much more hospitable do you need to have your church at your house? Amen. Now, some of you here know what it was like to start the church in pastor's garage. Um, but I tell you, here, here he is. He's, he's pastoring this church, and he's got some solid guys in his church. He's pastoring some men that Paul, uh, Paul out of all people, qualifies and, and, and testifies to, uh, on their behalf that they are fellow soldiers. Not just laborers, but they're fighting, you know, on, on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's got a ministry that's, that's going. He's obviously known by Paul. And uh, his character is described by Paul in verses 4 through 7. And in verse number 4, he says, I thank God making mention of thee always in my prayers. So this is, this is somebody that Paul is so familiar with that he daily is mentioning him as he's in prayer with the Lord. Now, I'm sure maybe you in here, you have some folks that God's placed on your heart uh, that you pray for every single day. And that's a great thing to have. You should. There should be some people that you pray for every single day. If you're a parent, I think you should be praying for your kids every single day. If you've got lost loved ones, you know what? I think you should be praying for them every single day. And Paul is a great example. And, and we know that uh, the, the sin of prayerlessness is one that's very seldom preached on. But boy, is it ever a, a hard sin. And because uh, and and, Paul, he says, man, uh, not Paul, but uh, the Bible says that you can, you can sin by not praying for the folks that God puts underneath you and God puts in your life. And so you have to be careful about that. And he says that this, this man Philemon is somebody that is, has touched Paul so much that he, he mentions him uh, every day or all the time uh, in his prayers. And he alludes to his character and he says that he knows of his love, faith, which thou hast not just towards men on the outside, but towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's important because the Bible tells us that if any man love God, now this is an important thing one right here. This, this, this is really important right here because there's a bunch of people that say they love God, right? You ever met people like that? They say, oh, well, I love the Lord and I love church and I love Christians. I love, 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 love. And they just talk about how much they love, right? But the Bible says if any man love God, the same is known of him. That, that, you know what that means? That means if you love God, people know you love God. You don't, got to, you don't have to broadcast it and announce it to the world. If you love God, people know it. And this man Philemon hit Paul. You think about Paul and his judgment of character and all that he's seen. Listen, he calls himself Paul the agent in this passage. He's got some years on him. He's got some experience. And he talks about this man Philemon and he says, I know. I know. And he, and he says, you know what, uh, this guy, he loves the Lord. And not, he doesn't just love the Lord, he loves, he loves the people, toward, he says, toward all saints. You know, that's, those, two, those two things are joined in heaven. <laughs> How are you going to say you love God and you don't love your brother? Right? You can say you have the love of God, but then you have animosity and bitterness and, and contempt and envy and, and all that stuff towards, towards another Christian. Don't talk to me about how much you love God. <laughs> That's not the message. I'm going to move on. Amen. For we have great joy. Now, I like this about Philemon here. He said, Paul says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the, bowels of the, because the bowels of the saints, look at this, are refreshed by thee, brother. Man, that, you see how he puts brother on the end of that? It's intimate. It is, it is personal. It is a friend talking to a friend. And he says, I just want you to know that you are a, you are a, a cold glass of water on a warm day when, it, when, when you walk into a room, man. When you walk into a room, it's like, man, we're so glad that Philemon's here. Amen. You walk into a room and, or, or, or you minister, you stand up to preach and folks are like, you have their undivided attention. It's like you have this ability to refresh people. 
Now, we've preached along these lines before, but that's something that I want. I, I, I want to refresh people. I want to be the wind in somebody's sails. I want to encourage somebody to keep going or encourage somebody to start or encourage somebody to come back. I, I want to be an encourager, and this is what Philemon was. Right? We see that Paul, in his maturity and in his age, he's switching up his tactics. He's switching up his approach. And these are all great things that we can learn from. Think, just think of this. You look at, a, you look at a, a, a book in the Bible and it has 25 verses. And there's a lot packed in 25 verses. Look what he says in verse 8. Wherefore, though I might much, uh, be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee. You know what that word enjoin means? It means to, it means to, uh, it means to um, uh, teach it means to implore somebody. It means to urge somebody, to try to convince somebody, okay, to enjoin that which is convenient. Consider, consider Paul's letters to the Corinthians. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that Paul had the wrong spirit or Paul had the wrong approach with the Corinthians. That's not what I'm saying. Nor did he have the wrong approach in the book of Romans or Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians. These are all great doctrinal books, right? These are very teachy books, correct? Okay. But look at what he says here. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, I'm prone to be that way, Paul says. I got no problem being bold in Christ and urging you and teaching you what's convenient for you to know. But he says, I'm not coming to you like that. He says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know what? Paul, Paul, he's coming in a different way due to his maturity, his experience, his understanding, what he's trying to get across to Philemon, the content of what he knows he wants to say and how he wants this man to react. And, it, and sometimes the soft answer turneth away wrath. And so he's coming in from a position of, brother, I just want you to know, I know who you are. And I love you. And I got respect for you. And I appreciate what you've done, for, not just for me, but for the Lord and for your people. That God's placed underneath your care as, a, as an under-shepherd. He's, he's paying him the respect, right? And then he, and he tells him, he says, he says here, for love's sake... And then in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, which I have begotten in my bonds. One last thing before I get into what I really want to say tonight. And again, I think it's, it's, it's important that we don't maybe spend a lot of time in the book of Philemon. And I'm not saying that in a, in a, in a, in a bad way. I'm just saying now we're here, so let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> but we see that Paul has a, a sense of courtesy that is missing, I think, in, in, a lot of our, in a lot of our circles today. And considering the topic of conversation, which is this obviously this man called Onesimus, and we'll get into him a little bit more in just a minute, but there's, there's, been, an, there's been an issue between Onesimus and Philemon, okay? And Paul gets privy to the fact that Onesimus technically belongs to Philemon. He was a servant of Philemon. He was a slave of Philemon, Right? And when he gets privy to that information, he has won Onesimus while he's in, in, in a prison in Rome. And so he has labored with Onesimus and, and has learned about him and has watched him. And you find out in, uh, in Colossians chapter 4 verse 9 that he himself is a fellow servant. And Paul is sending him out and encouraging the brethren through Onesimus. So he's doing some things for Paul, and Paul really enjoys his presence, and he really enjoys his zeal, and he really enjoys the way he's turned his life around. But looking with me, if you will, in verse number 13, whom I would have retained with me, talking about, an, I would have kept him, that in thy stead, because he belongs to you, right, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing. Look at that. You know, I love the Bible because it's so plain. It's so plain. How, there's no way you could miss this, right? Look at this. But without thy mind would I do nothing. 
that thy benefit should be not as it were of necessity, but of willing, but willingly. Look at that. You know what he says? He says, hey, listen, I know he belongs to you. You know what we call this in the ministry? And what you call this in Christianity? This is, uh, this is a, dying, a dying subject. Uh, this is called pastoral ethics. Pastoral ethics. Brother Spurgeon knows a little bit about pastoral ethics. He deals with pastors, right? Here's another thing. Christian ethics. There are certain ethics, there are certain, there are certain things that Christians should, that, that you should have a part of your character, right? There's a, there's a level of integrity, right? And, and Paul's saying here, he's saying, listen, I, when I found out that Onesimus belonged to you, I would have kept him because he was doing the work. But I, listen, if I don't have your blessing, you know, here's the instance. He says, you know what? Here's Onesimus. He was in your church, right? And then all of a sudden, he's coming to my place, and he's getting involved in stuff. And then, you know, I sat down and talked with him. And in the course of conversation, he told me where he came from. And just so happens, me and you are friends. And uh, when anytime somebody from your church shows up in my church, uh, I just thought I'd go ahead and give you a call. Oh, snap. And then when I found out that he didn't leave the right way, you see that? It's right there in the passage. <laughs> he says, when I found out that Onesimus didn't leave the right way, I sent him back to you. Because I'm not going to jeopardize our relationship for this guy, even though he's doing right. You see that? Not because, oh, I'm really needing some young preacher boys and I'm really needing some folks in my church that are willing to do the work. And, you know, no, I'm more concerned about doing things the right way than I am just getting what I want for me and my ministry. You see that? This is called ethic. This is ethics. Just like in business, there's business ethics. The Bible is very clear about these kinds of things. But sometimes we, we, we just tend to read over them. And again, I'm not saying that to be derogatory or, or mean or anything. I mean, I'm the same way. Unless you sit down and you start going through this stuff, it's like, oh, man, it's right there, right? And <clears throat> But what I really want to hone in on here is in verse number 11. It says, which time past was to thee unprofitable? This was an unprofitable person. You ever met somebody who's just unprofitable? The guy was just lousy. Here's a, here's a nice way of saying it. You're worthless. <laughs> you ever met a worthless person? You ever worked with a worthless person? I have. I've worked with some worthless people. I had a job one time, and my assistant, who was supposed to do my billing and scheduling and all that kind of stuff, he was worthless. Absolutely worthless. I'd show up, I'd be on sales calls all over the place, and I'd come back with a stack of, of signed contracts and checks and stuff, and I'd stick them on his desk, and I'd say, let's get it on the schedule, let's get all this stuff done, and, and uh, <coughs> here's all the jobs we completed this week, let's get these bills sent out. Well, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, and uh, it's probably about two or three months into it, I walk back into his office, he's not there, and he misses a day here, misses a day there. And uh, come to find out, he ran off with the receptionist lady that was in the front of the office. And uh, he said he wasn't coming back to work. And so here I am. I got stacks of paper everywhere. And I got to figure out everything that was on his desk to do. Plus my job, right? You know what I found out in that week of auditing everything that he wasn't doing? We were $190,000 in back receivables. That means $190,000 that we had already done the work, had it not been billed, and we just were doing work for free. And guess who that looks bad on? <laughs> that looks bad on me. You know what? There's nothing worse than a useless employee. There's nothing worse. Listen, there's nothing worse than somebody that you can't count on to do their job. And that's who Onesimus was. That's who Onesimus was. But Paul says, to you in time past, he was unprofitable. But now he's profitable. And you want to know something? I, I got to thinking about this. You know what? I, I, think, I think anybody in here, if you're honest, you, know, you want to be profitable for the Lord. Amen. Amen. I, want to be a, I want to be a profitable Christian. 
When I think about working for God and I think about the church and I think about Christianity and what Jesus Christ has done for me and what God's got me doing, I don't want God to say at some point, that guy was worthless. He got saved, but man, that was it, and he did nothing after that. He was an unprofitable servant. I don't want that testimony. But you all know something? Even in the midst of these 25 short little verses, you know what this book unlocks for us? It unlocks for us how to be a profitable Christian. It shows us exactly what we need to do and our mindset has to be for us to be profitable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you want to know something? Profit doesn't just appear. Did you know that? (laughs) You don't just stick a sign in the yard and all of a sudden money starts flowing in. Did you know that? You know that if you want to if you want to retire someday, you know, and the the way that the current uh, things works, you need to uh, you need to have, you know, some stuff in line, and, and, and then you can, you, what you want is you want a nest egg, and then you want to live off of the profit of what that nest egg generates, right? That's, that's, the, that's the current retirement setup. It's like, people in here are like, what's a nest egg? I just got it off my porch there. I blew it out with a leaf blower, right? No, it's different. <laughs> but you want to know something in the business world, if you want profit, there's some things that have to take place before profit ever shows up. And there's a lot of businesses, you know what? They do a lot of work and they don't make any money. So you can be super, super busy and you can be super, super broke. You see that? Now, I'm not going to give you a business lesson tonight because I probably wouldn't be the right guy for that. But there are some principles here that... that will help us, to this word profitable, because at the end of the day, you know what we want to be? We want to be profitable Christians, amen? You know, before you can be profitable, there's there's the first step. If you were to sit down with a financial advisor and say, Mr. Financial Advisor, I don't want to work until I hit the grave, you know, and I'd like to retire, you know, something like that in the future. You know what he's going to say? You know, he's going to sit down, and the first thing he's going to ask you is he's going to say, what is your risk tolerance? That's what he's going to ask you. What's your risk tolerance? So when it comes to a business, a business gets to a certain place, and then they seek capital. When they seek capital, then they go to, out to investors. And you know what they have to do? They have to present their, their case to the investors. And you know what the investors do before they can, because after all, they've, they've, they've leveraged themselves, and they're in debt, and they have a great product, and they got sales, but they got to take it to the next level. So they need to have an inflow of cash, and so they're willing to sell equity in the company in order to get it to the next level, Right? And so you know what those investors do? They sit there across the table, and they got loads and loads of money, and they sit there, and you know what they do? They do what they call a risk assessment. They do a risk assessment. How risky is this investment to us? That's what they want to know. And you want to know something? Onesimus, he was a risky investment. Onesimus was what they call... Uh, in the uh, Correctional Institute, a flight risk, right? (laughs) Right? He was a flight risk. Can you see Onesimus, this young guy working for Philemon, and he gives him this, you know, this job. He tries to start him at the base level, and Onesimus, he's just kind of like pie in the sky, man. He's got all these great ideas, and he's he's just really kind of got it all. he, He already sees the car he wants to drive. He sees the wife he wants to have. He sees the life he wants to have, and he just got it all planned out, and he's sitting there, and he's supposed to be doing this little clicky click on the computer, and he's sitting there, and nothing's getting done. And he's just dreaming. He's like, ah, I wonder what I wonder what the I wonder what the nightlife is like in Rome. <laughs> oh, I bet you there's a lot of opportunity. I'm in this little podunk town over here, man, working for Philemon and going to this little tiny church, you know. And it's like he's he's sitting there and he goes, I wonder what I wonder what life is like in Rome. <coughs> and Philemon comes in and says, Hey, uh, you got any work done today? Uh, no. <laughs> well, get your head out of the clouds, man. Apply yourself. 
And the time goes by, and Onesimus is sitting there at that desk day after day, and in a routine, and in a routine, and a routine, and he says, I'm wasting my stinking life working for Philemon. I'm wasting my life in this little podunk town, and these podunk people with these small ideas and limited opportunities. And I really want, I got, I got, I got ambitions, man. I want to go do something. I want some excitement. I want some life, man. You know what happens? He says, I got an idea. He was listening to some stupid podcast or some idiot YouTuber, and they're saying, just follow your dreams. <laughs> and they, he gets, you know, he gets, the, he gets the thing, it's like, are you stuck in a dead-end job that you hate? And he's like, yes. He says, don't you want to be doing something that fulfills your, what, you, what you've always wanted to do? Don't you want to follow your desires? And he's like, oh, he's talking to me. <laughs> right? He says, come down to Rome. <laughs> and it's like this advertisement for Rome. And you know what he does? He packs up his stuff and he stops showing up to work. And he heads for Rome. And he leaves Philemon high and dry. And so, there's some things that can cause us to leave. There's some things that can cause us to be pretty risky. Ambition can cause you to get, oh man, Rome's looking pretty good, right? You're sitting here and you got ambition, not just, not just ministerial ambition. You can, have, you can have ambition to... You know, live a certain place or do a certain thing, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like, well, okay, well, is this where God wants you to be or not? I don't know. But there's been many people because of their ambition left where they were supposed to be. Well, I just, listen, I got to be doing something and I think I'm not doing anything here. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. And you don't think you're doing anything. And so in your ambition, you get up and you pack your bags and you go somewhere else because you're unstable. How about this one? Discontentment. Not content with where you are. You know, there was a guy one time, he come to our church back when I was in Indiana, and he came over from a place in Columbus. He came to our church, and he was at our church for a little while, and I remember he, we were in a conversation one time, took his, uh, him and his wife out to dinner, and we we're sitting there, and he says, you know what, he's like, man, I just, I just feel like I'm not doing anything. I just feel like I'm not doing anything. And I just, I just, you know, I just, I'm so, I'm so discouraged and I'm so, it's just like, it's like I'm spinning my wheels here. I'm just sitting in a pew and I know there's something more. And I said, oh, you're pretty, you're not content with where you are. No, I need to be, I need to be somewhere else. I need to be doing somewhere else. You know what I said? Well, you think the will of God is based on your location, right? That's the problem. You thought, you thought that, you know, that's that if you would just go somewhere else, then you would find the will of God there, and then you'd find it over here, and then you'd find it over there, and you'd just keep chasing this rabbit, right? And you know where he's at now? He's playing drums in bars. He's gone. Like, like and actively preaching and, and doing it against the church. Yep, playing in bars, in rock bands. You know what else calls you to leave? Offenses. Get your feelings hurt. Somebody does you wrong. Right? It's like, you know, I'm out of here. How many people do you know are sitting in, sitting in churches that don't believe like they believe because they got offended at a, at a church that does believe like they believe? And you know what they do? They just, go, they just go down the street to the other church and they ignore all the things that they know are wrong. I've watched, listen, man, I've watched that, and it's, and it's really disheartening. Some guys that I know and that I've, I've been around, and, and you know what? I've watched, I've watched over the years, and, and, and they, they call me up on the phone, and they go, man, the church split, this happened, this happened, and then I go back after some years, and I go, where's so-and-so? They're going to that church down there. They don't have Sunday night service anymore, and they, don't, and they, they quit doing the hymns. And you know what? PBI graduate. Knows better. But you got your stinking feelings hurt. And Onesimus says, well, see you later. Right? 
And then you look at that and you go, man, it's risky. The same, listen, the same risks that, 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 were, that were ahead of Onesimus are the same ones you face today. And whether or not you say, I want to be profitable. Well, you better realize that you're at risk. That, listen, you're not just going to get into this thing and it's going to be hunky-dory and you're going to put your sign out in the front yard and customers are going to flood your business and you're just going to make a million bucks. That's not how it works. It's just not how it works. There's problems that you have. You know what I do constantly on a daily basis? I get phone call after phone call after phone call of problems. That's all I hear all day long. And you know what I do all day? I solve problems to the best of my ability. You say, what kind of problems? Really, really horrible problems. Like, I don't have enough pink flowers in my front yard. Yep. And you know what you have to do? You have to spend six hours driving around every stinking garden center in the tri-state area finding a certain pink flower for this customer. Right? Because problems, listen, risks, problems, they're out there. And you're going to have to put them out. There's things that you have to do. And you know what? This thing about being a servant here, uh, he, he didn't do it right. And so Paul, Paul is uh, sitting here and he's, and he's talking to Philemon and he says, hey, listen, I know he was unprofitable to you before. And he says, I know that I'm writing this letter. I'm not writing this letter to try to put it on you or to put you at an obligation, but I want you to be able to willingly see what I'm telling you right now. Okay, I know he was a flight risk before. And no, there's no investment that's 100%. There's no investment that's 100%. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 real quick. I want you to read this. You know, the Bible tells you if you're a servant, it has a lot to say about being a servant. You know that? And I'm not just talking about, you know, ministerially, but like an actual slave owner uh, relationship. You understand? You know, we, we quote the verse, do everything heartily as under the Lord, not unto men. That's Colossians, right? Colossians, what, chapter 10, something like that. Colossians 3, Colossians 3, verse 23. You know, the verse before that has to do with the servant and his master. That's why you do it as unto God, not unto men. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is a direct cross-reference for that, where we're at there in, uh, in the passage in Philemon. Look in verse number uh, 20. Let every man abide in the same calling where, wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, set it rather, uh, for, uh, uh, use it rather, for he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. You say, what is the principle? What's the principle? You want to be less risky? You want to lower your risk? So that somebody sees something in you and invests in you. You want to be a lower risk so that when God looks at you and says, I can trust that person with some stuff. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about God. You know that God has to trust you, right? You know what he tells you? He says, if you're called to be a servant where you're at, abide there with God. Say, oh, I don't know where God's got me here at this little church and I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing? You can't look around and see what God's doing around this place? Sometimes when you're inside of it, folks, it's hard to see, you know, because you're in it. Yeah. And it's a blessing that folks come in and they say, it's not like this everywhere. You know, when you're inside, it's easy to say, oh, well, I identify this, and maybe this could be better, and this can be better. Do you realize how, how good you have it? Amen. You have it so good. And the devil will creep in, and he'll say, ah, I got a little bit of ambition here. Let me throw that in front of you. A little bit of discontentment. I'm just sitting here, and I'm this, and I'm that, and, and I could be doing more, and I'm just working a job, and I'm just raising a family, and I don't have a title, and I don't have this, and I don't have that. Stop! You want to be profitable? Stay where God has you. And God 
you know what? And then you'll be less of a flight risk. And you know what you'll be more open to? You'll be more open to an investment if you're less of a risk. Right? That's what you want. Young people, we're about to go to camp. About to go to camp. You know what? How risky are you? I know what it's like. You're at, all of you are at the age now where it's like you're getting jobs and you've got licenses and all this different stuff. You know what most teenagers do when they get their license? They're waiting at the stinking starting line like this, like, whoa, ready to go. Right? Is that, how you're, is that where you're positioned? You got your eyes set on something that's out there in Rome? You see that? Are you a, are you a flight risk? You know what Onesimus learned the hard way? He was unprofitable when he left. He was unprofitable when he left. Number two, in order to, for you to get profit, you know what you need? You need to assess the risk. And the less risky, the better off you are. Number two is investment. Look in verse number 17 and 18. It says, if thou count me, therefore, a partner. You see that? That's a business term. <laughs> if thou count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. You, you know what happens when you invest? You cut a check for a certain amount of money. And you then, now the risk is on you. And you take all the liability for the amount that you wrote the check for. You say, okay, business, you're out there and you show me that, you know, you got your numbers and they're kind of stable. And uh, I see that you got a pretty good product. You got a pretty good service. And I like you because you're willing to work and you're staying in the right place and you're being faithful where you're at. Okay, I'll give you an investment. I'll cut you a check for X amount of dollars and I'm going to take 10, 15% of the equity in your company. How about that? Hey, pretty good deal for me, right? I need to take that inflow of cash. Now I can apply it to my business and we're going to take it to the next level. Right? There's two people involved in an investment. There's the investor. And then there's the one seeking the investment. Right? Look at what he's, let's see what he says here in, uh, in, in verse number uh, 16. Now, as a servant, but above a servant, uh, a brother beloved, especially to me, how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? He says he's not just a servant anymore. He's a brother. Right? He's not just a, he's not just a piece uh, of property. It's now personal. That's what an investment does. It changes the relationship. It changes the relationship. And so... You see in verse 17 and 18, here's your, here's your doctrinal nugget in Philemon. It shows the doctrine of imputation. Put yourself in the passage, in the, in the place. So, so here is, uh, here's Onesimus, and he offends Philemon. And then he goes to Paul, he meets Paul, and then Paul goes to Philemon to bat for Onesimus and says, hey, whatever he owes, you put it on me. And there was a time and a day where, guess what? You were an offense to God. You were an enmity with God. Your sin separated you from fellowship with God. And then you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ goes to, to, goes to God and He says, Hey God, yeah, I know He did all that stuff and everything He did was 100% true. And, and, I, and I know I'll, I'll, the devil comes up and he tells him everything that you've done. And he says, yeah, I, I, Lord, he, he did all that. And I uh, just want you to know He's accepted me and go ahead and put it on me and I'll pay His cost for Him. Amen. That's called the doctrine of imputation. I get the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it's, and, it's, and it's right there, just like that, right in front of your face. Amen? That's, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And you know what? Sometimes, you know what you need? You need, you need the Lord to come uh, and, 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 and just put something on you. You need Him to come up and invest in you. And you don't need, you don't need, out, you don't need somebody to, to, to tap your potential. You need God to tap your potential. Amen. Understand, you need to get God's attention in your life. Listen, I understand there, there, is, there, is a, uh, there is a chain of command and there is all this different stuff, but at the end of the day, you need God on you. How are you going to be profitable 
if, if you don't have the Lord on you. You ain't going to be profitable to nobody. You can know all the Bible in the world and have no God on you. And, and what good are you to anybody? You'll make somebody's head bigger. You want to know what changes people? Virtue changes people. How do you get virtue to pass through you? We need the Lord Jesus Christ to give you that. Amen? You ain't going to do that thing on your own. There ain't no way you're going to do that thing on your own. You need an investment. You need, you need somebody to, you, you need the Lord to, to write a check for you. You need, to, you need to realize where your funding comes from. Amen? And get focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple message tonight. Last thing I want to tell you. You have the risk assessment. You have an investment And you know what dictates whether or not you're profitable? Commitment. Commitment. You know what happened in 2008? The stock market crashes and the bubble explodes and everybody's talking about that now, so it's relevant, right? Most of you don't even remember what happened in 2008. Some, like, who cares what, right? You know what happens? A bunch of people freak out because the, the, the stock market tanks. And you know what they do? They cashed out all their stocks. And at the lowest point of the stock market, they get out and they say, oh, I just lost my 401k. I just lost all my investments. I'll never be able to retire. I'll never be able to do this. I used to, do, um, <coughs> used to sell retirement annuities. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great product. It's what Brother, uh, that's what Brother Sam does down in, in Jacksonville. He works with a, a company to help with the retirement annuity stuff. And um, I go in and I dealt with specifically with teachers, right? Because they, would, they, would they, they have a state pension. And in the state of Ohio, we have a wonderful state of Ohio. And if you have a pension in the state of Ohio, it's only one of like four or five states that do this. But if you have a pension in the state of Ohio and you get Social Security, they will deduct your, based on how much you get on your pension, they will deduct an amount from your social, a percentage from your Social Security. You can't, they call that double dipping. You paid into it. You did all that stuff. But how you're double dipping from your own money is beyond me. But that's how they view it, Right. And so what ends up happening is, is because of their pension and because of their Social Security, they know they don't have enough money coming in in retirement, so they have to invest in another place. And so typically they would do it in what they call a fixed-rate annuity, okay? And so what they do is they take out a 403B, and it's, and it's for, like, government employees and, and state employees. It's something that you can do on, on top of your pension. I met with teacher after teacher after teacher, 75 years old. I've dealt with teachers that are up into 82. And you know what they all told me? They all told me the same thing. They said, I was ready to retire back in 2008. And the stock market crashed and I cashed out and I'll work until I die. You see that? You know what happened? They got out too early. You know what the recovery time was? For the stock market to bounce back from 2008, I think it was like less than two years. On average, the worst recessions that we've had in the United States, the average uh, bounce back time is less than two years to get to previous gains. I could be wrong a little bit, but it's, it's, it's a very small number. You know what that tells you? The folks that get out are the folks that lose. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? The folks that get out, listen to me, are the folks that lose. You say, you're just putting something in the passage. Look in verse number 24. There's some people that Paul includes in his salutation there. You see the names? You see Marcus in there, right? Who else you see in there? You see Demas, don't you? You know, funny thing about Demas in the Bible, he shows up three times. And every time Demas shows up in your Bible, in context, you know who else shows up? Mark and Luke. Colossians um, chapter 4. It's like verse 10 and verse 14. Verse 10, Demas is mentioned. And in verse, uh, uh, or Mark is mentioned. In verse 14, Demas is mentioned. 1 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Demas is there. So is it Mark and Luke. And then right there where you're reading. 
You know how you, you know say, what are you talking about? You compare and contrast the two ministries of Demas and Mark. Mark sketches out and, 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 uh, and leaves Paul early on in the ministry, but he comes back and at the end of it, you know what the Bible tells, uh, you know what the Bible tells you about Mark? Paul tells you, he says, for he's profitable to me. Right? And then Demas, you know what he's called? Right there where you're looking? A fellow servant. A fellow laborer. You know what happens? He leaves at the end of the thing unprofitable. You say, how you become profitable? You got to stay in for the long haul. You don't know if you're going to be profitable until some time goes by. Amen? You need some data points. You need some, you need some historical data to see where your trajectories are. That's how you, that's how you budget in a business. You look at your previous years, your previous months. I have a business meeting tomorrow. You know what we're going to look at? We're going to look at three years worth of data of where we're at and what our goals were. And what we have all of that. How do you do that? Time. Time. <coughs> you say, what's the lesson here? How come Demas left and how come Marcus came back? Well, the Bible told you. He says... Demas has forsaken me, look what he says, having loved this present world. You say, what's going to cause the commitment to fall? If you have a love problem. How do we start this thing out? Talking about love. It was written in a spirit of love. You say, what's going to keep your commitment? A love. You know what the problem was with Demas? He started loving stuff that he was told to hate. And he started seeing things and started, what caused Onesimus to leave early? He started seeing things that he wasn't supposed to see. He started going after stuff he wasn't supposed to go after. His heart went, started getting bitter, started seeing the flaws of the folks in the church, started to see the inconsistencies of people. Have you ever noticed that maybe you think this? You say you always want to get close to people, right? You want close relationships. That's what we want, right? Everybody wants to be close to the preacher. That's typical church member, right? I want to be buddy buddies. Let me ask you this. And I'm not just talking this church. I'm talking all of This is Christians in general, okay? They want to be friends with the preacher. You go to a meeting, a special meeting, and the special preacher's there, right? They, they, they want to come see you. They want to talk to you. They want to, hey, oh, don't you know, I know Brother Spurgeon. And me and him, we go way back, you know. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> right? That's how it goes. We want to be associated with somebody that we see as spiritual, right? Let me ask you this. Could God trust you to get close to somebody? Because guess what happens? The closer you get to somebody, you're going to see that they're human. Can you have enough character to still like them after you find out some of the flaws in their armor? Oh, man. I want to be close to them, man. I want to have a close relationship with somebody like that. Okay, can you, can you see them at their worst and still respect them? You say, what's the problem? Our affections, our, our, our love. How do, we become, how do we become profitable? We got to keep our heart tender. We got to keep our heart passionate and open to the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep our eyes fixated on what's really important. Understanding that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Doing, and I, Everybody around you may think you're not doing nothing. You may in your own mind think, all I'm doing is working a job. All I'm doing is going eight to five and I come home and just got the kids and the wife's tired and I'm dealing with all this stuff. Can I tell you this? You couldn't be more in the will of God than you are right there. But I didn't pass out of track today, and I didn't get the chance to preach. Who cares? If I had a dollar for every guy I graduated school with and called me when everything blew up in Indiana, and called me and said, well, what are you doing for the Lord now? I had a guy call me one time, you know what he said? Well, what's your title? You know what I said? Oh, I don't have one. A guy called me one time. He says, well, brother, we know that you just got to endure the chastening of the Lord. Like, amen, brother. Appreciate you. You're awesome. You're a great friend. Right? You're just, I mean, with friends like you, who needs enemies, right? <laughs> Listen, sometimes we get warped. And we get to, we get to telling ourselves a story. Because there's this thing called truth. And then there's this thing that what we think is true. 
And truth and true are not necessarily the same thing. So what sometimes you can do is you get a fragment of something or you get a thought in your head and all of a sudden you start to tell yourself a story. And before you know it, you're sitting there doing the dishes or you're sitting there grilling on the grill or you're sitting there on your recliner or you're sitting there in your car driving and before you get, you know, a mile down the road, you've got every, you know exactly what people's motives were. You know exactly what's going on. You have told yourself you, every intricate detail. You know, you figured it out. You have the epiphany moment. Oh. And you want to know what happens? Your heart starts to turn. You got to be careful. We're about to go to camp, right? We have an opportunity as a church. If I could, if I could somehow articulate in words what this camp has done for churches all over this country, if I could articulate in words the feedback that I get from people, you would know, oh, I'm taking a vacation, I'm taking a week off from work, and all I'm doing is running the snack shack. All I'm doing is cooking in the kitchen. All I'm doing is setting up stinking water balloons and boxes and little nets and all this different stuff. All I'm doing is coming and sitting down for two hours for twice a day to hear preaching. All I'm doing is going down to babysit a bunch of kids. I'm telling you, it's profitable. I'm telling you, the commitment that you have made and the investment that you have made is going to pay dividends in eternity. Folks, little, little chapter, little book, 25 verses. Man, packed full of a bunch of truth. Amen? Amen. That's why we love the Bible. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for this admonition that we have from the Word of God. Thank you for the example that we have here with Paul and Onesimus and Philemon. And, the, and, and what we're told here, I pray, Lord, would be an encouragement to our church. Pray that we'd have the right mindset as we go to camp here this coming week. I pray you'd be with our pastor as he's dealing with uh, multiple different situations and, and then his mom and all this stuff that's going on. I pray, Father, you'd undergird him. I know uh, uh, Brother Spurgeon is going to be heading up north. I pray you'd bless him in his meetings. And God, bless this prayer service that we have here in the next few moments. And we ask you to bless our church now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and take some prayer requests this